Welcome to the Franchise Hounds podcast. I'm Greg Macchia, a certified franchise consultant. Thanks for joining me as I interview franchise industry pros to dissect, explore, and discover franchise ownership. Joining me today is Eric Schechterman. Eric is the Chief Development Officer at Benetrends Financial. For over 35 years, Benetrends has offered access to a complete range of financing solutions and tools to help entrepreneurs fund their business ventures, and they are recognized as an authority in the franchise and small business financing. As the Chief Development Officer for Benetrends Financial, Eric oversees sales, marketing, and strategic relationships. Eric has been a featured speaker at numerous franchise industry conferences and earned a distinction of Certified Franchise Executive by the Board of Governors of the IFA in 2016. Eric does a great job demystifying the funding process, and I, had, I enjoyed speaking with him. I hope you enjoy today's discussion with Eric Schechterman from Benetrends Financial. Eric, welcome to Franchise Hounds. Thanks for joining the show. Uh, thank you for having me today. You know, as a, as a franchise consultant, I speak with a lot of people who are interested in learning more about uh, owning a franchise, and I have a process that we go through together in order you know, to find the right opportunity for that individual. And, and no two searches are alike. Uh, as you can imagine, you know, candidates come from all sorts of different backgrounds with different skill sets, have different interests and different timelines and, and certainly different, different financial situations. Um, one thing in common with each search I go through is that early on in the process of working with them, we need to figure out, you know, what level of investment they are comfortable with and ultimately what they can afford. So a, a firm like Benetrends Financial is really a valuable resource for, for myself and my candidates as, you know, candidates don't really have a sense for what they can afford and, and what funding options are available to them. And, you know, the question that kind of lingers in their mind is, you know, can I afford this or how can I afford this is often the thing that seems to be holding people back from, you know, moving forward with their dream of, you know, business ownership. So what I'd like to kind of go over with you today is if, if we could walk through the process of what it's like, you know, of working with Benetrends Financial. And um, I think that would be helpful. So, you know, when, when I mentioned to a candidate, hey, I'd, you know, I think this is a good next step and, and introduce you to, to a funding partner like Benetrends, that it's, that it's a little less intimidating. You know, it's always a little scary when, when someone kind of wants to peek under the covers of your, of your personal finances. So, so hopefully you can make that a little less scary today. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I've always been amazed at sort of the response that, that people have. I mean, and, and you nailed it is, you know, they'll look at businesses, they'll do this, do that. And once financing gets introduced, like, whoa, 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 let's, you know, let, let's slow down. And what's odd is if I needed to go find an apartment today, I've probably figured out how much rent I can pay. If I want to go buy a house, I probably got pre-qualified for a mortgage, just figure out how much I could put down and everything else. If I wanted to get a car, I'm going to figure out how much of a lease payment I can afford and then figure out what cars to look for. But for some reason in our industry, when someone wants to look for a business and someone like you might say, you know, why don't you speak to this finance company so you can figure out what you could realistically afford and access all of a sudden it changes. And I think it's all how it's framed because they think, well, let's get you financed. And really the way it should be framed is let's see what funding options are out there for you. And people just do not know 
all of the different options that are out there. So happy to talk about the process because it really is more of a funding gift that we would give a client of. Here's what you can get. Here's what you can use. And they almost view us as like the bad guy book. All right, what are you going to tell me and everything else? So yeah, happy to, to talk through that process and what it looks like. Yeah, no, I, I think that would be great. And, and um, you know, brands are required by law to kind of provide an accurate estimate of, of in, the investment required. So we, you know, typically we come into it with a, with a pretty good idea. And, and, you know, those things are covered in, I think, items five, six, and seven in the FDD, where they have to talk about um, the total estimated initial investment that's that's required. And then items five and six are, you know, the, the initial fee, which is the, the the big part of that is being the, the franchise fee and then other fees such as, you know, recurring fees such as royalties and things. So so typically when when we have a brand in mind, we have a pretty good idea of of what's needed uh, in order to invest in this. So that's that's a good place to start. So I uh, so I have a candidate. I, I introduce him to Benetrends and then and then what happens from there? So I think first and foremost, I think that the, the best part that people often don't understand is, um, I mean, part of our job is just really having conversations. Um, you know, the first thing we're going to do is hop on a call with a client. Tell us what opportunities you're looking at. How did you get introduced to them? What what have you liked about that? You know, that's sort of the most fun part of our job is hearing people's journey. And then it's really just getting a general overview of what do you have available? What's in a checking account? What's in a savings account? What's in home equity? What's in a retirement account? What's in a stock portfolio? And we always like to preface, there's what do you have versus what you will use. Someone might say, listen, I've got $100,000 in my checking account, but I'm not touching it. Sure, it's off limits. (laughs) So that's number one, is that we're just going to have that general conversation around learning about the opportunity and learning more about what assets are available, what type of liabilities are in place. We even have a process where sometimes even before we speak to a client or even after, we do a free, um, you know, a lot of your listeners are probably familiar with an SBA loan, you know, getting a loan through the Small Business Administration through a bank. Um, We do a completely free SBA assessment where we will provide a, a client very easy to fill out form, provide some details on assets, liabilities, you know, provide us with their credit score. It's not something, nothing that we're going to do a hard pull on. And I mean, usually within 24 hours, our team's going to say, hey, Greg, just so you know, um, based off of what we see in the lending environment today, based off of all these different assets, we can see you qualifying for an FBA loan for up to X amount of dollars provided you put you put down this amount of money coming from this asset. So those will be things that will be looked at. But really on that conversation, it's more of just what what can we learn about you? And then educating people on all of the options available. I mean, I've been doing this for 10 years. And if I speak to 100 people, 90 percent of them will still say they didn't know that you could use retirement funds to purchase a business with no tax or penalty. 90% are not knowing that you could use a stock portfolio for a line of credit versus having to sell those stocks in order to get your business financed. So I really, really implore people to have that conversation. In my experience, more times than not, 
people after that call probably even become more excited about business ownership than less excited because they find out, I didn't know I could combine these three things to get to one total or how these work together. So it really is more of a benefit of, we always tell all of the franchise experts that we work with throughout the country, um, the sooner you get them to financing, the better. Yeah, no, I agree. And and, and it's it, it can be all, uh, a little awkward, you know, having that conversation early on. But I, I agree. It's it's really important for both, you know, for both me and, and the candidate in the best interest of everyone's, you know, not wasting time. And, I, you know, people are familiar with the house buying process. So, I, I you know, I always try and use that as an analogy. But, you know, it's similar to working with a realtor when you're looking at new homes. If, if your budget is 750K, and the realtor starts showing you $2 million homes, you know, of course, you're going to fall in love with a $2 million home. But, you know, guess what? You, you can't afford it. And now every every house at 750K is going to be disappointing, right? So I don't want to get their hopes up and I don't want to waste anyone's time. So it, it's encouraging to hear you say that, uh, you know, that how important this is early on. Um, and, and back to the real estate analogy, it sounded like when you were talking about the SBA, is that that's kind of similar to getting pre-qualified for, you know, for a, for a mortgage, right? So you, you kind of have an idea of what you can afford. I would say anything when it comes to bank lending is always a fluid process. I would say a couple of years ago, if somebody said, here's a pre-qualification, you're pretty comfortable that that pre-qualification is going to turn into a loan. Sitting here in October 2020 in a COVID environment with the <laughs> bank's some some get afraid of their shadow one day and then they find it the next day. Um, so, yeah, very similar to the mortgage. I've always joked around. You can't buy the house with it, but it tells you what neighborhood you should be shopping in. Sure. Yeah, no, I like that. Be qualified here. You can't. It's not a commitment to lend a Benetrans, any of the other companies that will often do a pre-qualification. They're not the lenders, but it'll tell you either. Here's the total investment that you could look at, or maybe, you know, you're looking at a smaller investment, but now you can buy multiple units of it. You should be considering this. So, yeah, I mean, it's I, I like that pre-qualification versus that that mortgage and getting pre-qualified for the mortgage. It's very similar. Again, it's not a bank. It's not a commitment to lend, but it tells you what, what you should be shopping for. Sure. No, that's helpful. And, and you touched on it briefly earlier, but I, I wanted to clarify so, you know, it's called an SBA loan, but the, the loan doesn't actually come from the SBA, the, the Small Business Administration. They're just the government agency that guarantees the loan, but the loan is actually, you know, made by a bank. And I guess the banks are more, are more willing to loan because they, they know that the, the government will back them up on it. Yeah, I mean, it's funny we were talking about a real estate analogy. I mean, it's essentially like an FHA loan in the housing market, you know. The bank gets it guaranteed by the government, so they're more apt to put more loans out there for people buying homes. Same thing with the SBA program. It's not the government lending it. The government is actually backing a percentage of the loan for the bank that's putting that loan out there, therefore making it more attractive and more motivating for banks to keep money going out there in small business America. Now, it's not just that. They sent certain limits and qualifications for an SBA loan that the bank has to follow. But what people need to realize with an SBA loan, because it's the bank that's making the loan, it's still a banking decision. So I could be an SBA lending bank and it's not like 
I have to give a loan to every small business that walks through my door, no matter what the investment level, what the industry is. Banks are still going to be banks. Some banks like chocolate, some banks like vanilla. And you can bring the best vanilla deal in the world to a bank that likes chocolate and it doesn't matter. And that's the, you know, the same reason why I always say get them introduced to a funding partner as quickly as possible, because matching people to the right bank is just as important to matching them to the right business. Because what people will get is they're going to get, you know, buyer's fatigue and they're going to start to question, you know, you show me X, Y, Z franchise. And I think I can go figure out financing on my own. I'm going to go to these three banks that I know locally, you know, because I've had a checking account with one of them for 20 years. So I have a relationship there where (laughs) your personal checking account means nothing when it comes to a business loan. And all of a sudden, three banks turn you down and you start questioning Maybe this isn't a good idea if the banks don't want to do it. The banks don't tell you why they don't want to do it. This bank just might not like brick and mortar. This bank might not like service-based. There are some banks that like a certain business so much that they even get over, I don't want to say over leveraged, but they might say, hey, listen, we've done 800 haircut concepts in the last year. We're just not going to do any more for right now. But they don't tell you that. You know what they do? They just say no. And then you get think, oh, wow, I must have a bad business idea where all you did is go to the wrong bank. Sure. Yeah, no, I'm glad you I'm glad you touched on that. And and I think there there you know, and on the flip side, there's there's banks that that are more comfortable with certain, uh, you know, verticals, whether it's, you know, home service or you know, quick service restaurants or haircutting places, right? They're, they're just definitely more, com- they know the space better and they're more comfortable with it. They pick their lanes. They, uh, you know, banks pick their lanes from industry to sometimes qualifications, sometimes loan sizes. You know, SBA loans go up to as much as, I mean, $5 million and they can go as low as $50,000. If you have a loan today that's a $60,000 loan, I'm going to tell you right now, not every SBA lender in the country wants to do your loan because guess what? Your $60,000 loan, it's the same amount of paperwork for the bank for the $5 million loan. So they might just pick their lane. Like if I have a small loan, there might be only three or four banks within the country that you might say, put this loan in front of it. Where now all of a sudden you get up to a half million dollar, million dollar plus loan. Now there's... 500 banks that have an appetite for it. So, you know, understanding that aspect as well. Yeah. So, so in addition to, to when you work with clients, it's telling them, you know, which avenue you think is the best funding option, then you take it a step further and you say, we think you should work with these banks as well. Yeah. I mean, that's almost when it comes to the SBA loan product, that's almost our role. I mean, if you look at your world where your job is, you know, and passion is to match people to the right business our job is to match that person and their business to the right bank. So when we work with a candidate, we'll, we'll say, listen, now that we've worked on your business plan, projections, dotted the I's, crossed the T's, you're looking at this franchise concept and this investment level. Here are the four or five banks that we know have an appetite for this loan, have an appetite for this industry. You fit some of the background profiles or we've already done loans for this for this business before. That's where we're going to sit. I mean, I can send it all over, but if I know it's going to get denied, what's the point? Our, you know, our goal is to get clients working with banks that have an appetite for that loan. 
Yeah, and I'm glad you touched on business plan because that brings up another question. So uh, in your experience, I mean, uh, banks are definitely more, probably more comfortable working with uh, a franchise because it's a it's a proven business model. Is that right? You know, all my bank friends listening or whoever might hear this and I, I think all <laughs> respect because I'm the same way. And I don't want to use the word lazy, but maybe lazy and easy or certain things. Are, but listen, like people in all jobs, they like easy decisions. So if I have two loan options on my desk and one is a brand new startup where this one entrepreneur has this amazing idea, never been done before, they think they can do it, very interesting, not sure of where the investment's going to use, how, how much is it really working capital, how much is this, I got to think about it a lot. And then here's this business, there's 800 of them open, the investment level's been proven over 800 times, the business model's been proven over 800 times. I could see how many open, how many closed, the numbers match the investment level. Yeah, I'm going to go with that one because I can, you know, I can get that through underwriting. I understand it. No one's going to question, well, why did you improve this loan? Well, there's 800 others and they've all done pretty successful and it's a high demand service versus why did you put our money, our bank's money towards this? So, yeah, I mean, it just, it makes it easier. It really does. I mean, the numbers are there. There's a whole registry dedicated to the SBA environment where banks can look it up. They, they've they've probably have done previous ones or they've worked with them before. So, I mean, listen, just like we're talking about certain lanes, there are some banks, they like that more entrepreneurial, it's more startup. But I mean, the bulk of what I see out there, having a business where and then you add something like you do. Not only do I look at a business I'm comfortable with, but now the person that's interested in buying it, they've really been matched to it. Like they're a good fit for this business. I can, because just remember, we were talking about the SBA guarantee. Do you know when the government doesn't back up that loan with their guarantee to a bank? When they find that the bank made an improper lending decision. So should they have lent something to a brand new industry category, everything else, or to a person that had no right buying that business? Now, I don't know if those would be reasons to deny the guarantee, but I know by saying I did a loan for a franchise brand that's got a proven model, proven industry, the candidate was matched to it. They were a good fit. They had the right capital. They knew what the investment was. Again, it just makes it easy. And you know, I made the joke about being lazy, but lazy, easy, whatever you want to call it. I'm the same way. You know, if it makes more sense and easier for me to get it done. Yeah. I mean, banks are going to be more attracted to that. Yeah, no, for sure. It, it makes perfect sense. And, and I mean, really when it boils down to, to kind of funding options, there's, there's really two options, right? There's equity with like cash or, or debt, uh, which is, you know, a loan. Right. And then as far as, as far as the loan options for, We'll stick with franchise-specific, uh, you know, businesses for the moment. But um, you know, the, the SBA loan is the most popular. Um, and then there's an SBA loan, and then there's a, an SBA Express loan. Correct? Yeah, I mean, listen, if uh, you know, you call enough people, you'll have 50 different names for the different SBA programs. What's funny about whether they call it the Express loan, the Micro loan, the Under 150 loan, the Fast Track loan. They're actually all loans under the 7A program. Okay. So the under 150 loans sometimes have a little bit less requirements that the banks look for from collateral and down payment or equity injection, but they technically are all part of the 
SBA 7A program. So there's the SBA 7A, and then there's the SBA 504. The SBA 504 is really dedicated more to where there's a purchase of real estate. Um, so really in, in the environment that most of your listeners are going to look to, it'll be a 7A program. And within that 7A program, there's the under 150, call it micro, fast track, whatever somebody wants to call it. But it's all, if, by the letter of the law, it's a 7A loan. Okay. And it sounds like when when deciding between those loans and what might be the best option, the, the loan amount is kind of the, the first thing we look at, whether it's above or below 150K? Correct. Okay. And then obviously, if it's if it's above, you probably need a higher cash injection and collateral is required. Yeah. So, and again, it's not so much that the SBA has set these. This is where we get into their banking decisions. And consistently, the banks that do the loans that are under $150,000, they typically will not ask for personal collateral, meaning that you won't have to collateralize the home or have the bank take an equity position on the home uh, to do the loan. And they will often be able to drop below the 20% equity injection level as down to as little as 10%. Once you get over that 150 loan size, most of the lenders are going to look to take that personal collateral position. Um, and usually you're going to be in that 20 to 30% equity injection range. Okay. And, and that's, and that's money. That money can't be borrowed, right? That that uh, that cash injection. So you know, no home. You can't use a home equity or anything like that. They really want skin in the game. It's a tricky question. Yes, you can use something that was borrowed, but they have to see that there's different types of means to pay it back. So to your point, no, a home equity line of credit and an SBA loan are not a great match. <laughs> as we said before, especially if you get into that larger loan size the bank wants to be in the collateral position on the home. Well, if you already have a home equity line of credit, the bank doesn't want to do that's doing the SBA loan now be in third position Sure. on that. Now, if I was doing a loan that's under 150 where they're not going to take the collateral and I then want to use my home equity line of credit to get my equity injection, it actually works fine. Um, if I want to take a loan against my 401k plan, because I'm still employed and I can't move it out through a rollover program and use that money as equity injection. I can do that. And those are loan funds because the bank looks at it. There's means out, you know, if God forbid they defaulted, okay, then that money is taken out of the retirement account. Mm -hmm. The means of paying it back. If I have a stock portfolio and I want to take a loan against my stock portfolio, I could use that for my equity injection on an SBA loan. Um, and that's a really cool thing because you're almost creating 100% financing in that. So you can get money that is lent to you, for lack of better words, to be your equity injection. It just often has to not be tied to that home. Yeah. And Greg, you know, in this environment, we're going to talk to people about all their different options, especially, you know, if you look at home equity loan and SBA loan. You know, as much as SBA services is something that we do, and I don't like to drive a client away from us, but in this environment, someone might go and get a $200,000 SBA loan, do their business plan projection, put down 20%, have the bank take an equity position for collateral and get a 6% interest rate. And then they might go get a home equity line of credit for $200,000, no business plan, no projections interest rate probably below three and a half percent 
works like a true line of credit that you're just paying up and paying down like a credit card. I mean, I've had more clients in the last three months where I've just said, if the home's up for grabs anyway, why don't you just take that home equity line of credit versus getting the SBA loan? Sure. And that, that's the conversations that we're going to have with people today is put them in the right direction. Good. That's that's encouraging to hear. Um, how how important is credit score, particularly with the, with the SBA loans? You know, I, I guess I would say the strong score has less of an impact than the weak score. <laughs> you, know, you know, I always laugh when someone's like, well, I have the 800 and well, this person only has 750. We're both qualified at that point. Sure. Uh, I would say it's the below 700. If I said to you 12 months ago, it was typically below 680. You're pretty much not going to have a bank that looks at you. In the COVID environment, and banks being a little bit safer, it's probably 700 or higher. I will tell you what kills an SBA deal before credit, and probably more important today, is something I call post-closing liquidity. And what post-closing liquidity refers to as, it's just a fancy term for saying after, you know, I'm buying a franchise. I pay a $50,000 franchise fee. I have any other money I have to put towards getting the SBA loan and I close on the loan. How much money, how much liquid do I have left over after that is done to cover my personal living expenses, my business expenses, my global debt coverage. So I could have a, let's say, Greg, you've got a 800 credit score and you've got $50,000 in the bank and you've left your job or certain things like that. And I've got a 700 credit score and I've got $100,000 in the bank. And we bought the same franchise, 50,000 down, get a loan for 150, whatever it may be. I'm getting that loans over you every minute of the day because the bank's going to say, this guy's great, blah, 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 all these fantastic things. Who's paying his mortgage next month? Who's sure. paying his personal living expenses? Who's paying for the kids' classes, food, stuff like that? So good rule of thumb, if somebody's going to remain employed or has additional sources of income coming in while they're ramping up the business, probably six to eight months of personal living expenses left over after the deal is done. It makes sense that they don't want to kind of take your last penny and say, all right, you're, you, you know, you're good to go. So they actually kind of look at your, your monthly burn rate and, and, they, and factor that in. They don't kind of do it. I mean, they actually will. <laughs> I mean, they will literally sit. I know our, I know our team when we're doing our assessments. I mean, we'll sit back and say to somebody, based off of your monthly burn rate, if we take that over a six-month period because you're still working. But if you're not working, they, the banks might look for 10 to 12 months of post-closing and say, if we take this, you're going to need $80,000 in leftover money. You've got $130,000 and you're going to pay $50,000 here. You're right there, but it's a little bit tight. So if the bank says you'd have to come up with a little bit more, certain things like that, um, this is where, you you know, that's, man, does this become important when you're dealing with clients that are looking at uh, multi-unit purchases? Because... Now you're taking all of your liquidity and putting it in licenses that you might not be able to count towards that first loan. So, yeah, I mean, banks are going to I mean, you nailed it. I know people don't like to hear it, but it's not crazy for the bank to say, 
We'd like to know the person that's borrowing the money is going to make good life and business decisions because they have money to pay for their life outside of the business during the early onset. Sure. 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 How, how long does it take typically for, for these to fund? Consistently inconsistent. Um, <laughs> you know, I would say, I mean, listen, I was talking before, we'll get a pre-qualification or an assessment done within 24 hours. We'll then get the items that we need to work on for a client's package out to them immediately. Once a client submits their full package to us, here's the business I'm looking at, projections, business plan. We got the I's crossed the T's. Now we go to the bank. From the date that a bank gets our packages, usually within five to 10 business days, we expect to get what's called a term sheet where the bank says, we are interested in this loan. Here are the terms we're willing to offer. Client decides these are the terms I'm comfortable with. Now they move to underwriting. Underwriting in the past two to three weeks, three to four weeks in 2020, COVID environment, post PPP environment, six, eight weeks. Summer's coming back in two. But I always want to over, you know, under promise, over deliver. There really is just no consistency. The PPP loans that were done throughout the country, those were done through banks. And banks didn't go ahead and hire 20 more people for their underwriting department to do those things. Still the same underwriting department that's managing the new loans. So, um, you know, that time frame has been a little bit and closing from that point. It really depends on the business. You know, if you're a service model and you're not building out a location, it's pretty much immediate from there. Closing on a brick and mortar business, technically, you're not closed until the location's built because they're dispersing funds as you're building the loan. So really, the, the, the real time stamps are pre-qualified, term sheets, underwriting, closing. Okay. Yeah, and, and at the... Uh... So say I, I bring a candidate to you and I say, you know, hey, Eric, I'm working with so-and-so. We're looking at a handful of brands right now. The first step would be this kind of pre-qualification process. And you guys would would let the client know, hey, I think you I think you could safely afford, you know, investments between, you know, $180,000 and $220,000. And then, you know, the client and I do more work, narrow things down. And then once we once we select a brand that the client wants to move forward to, at that point, they kind of re-engage and say, okay, this is the brand we want to work with. And you start putting the package together for the banks, right? Yeah. When you're looking at the lending, you know, obviously going for the SBA loan side, I always joke around with people. I mean, listen, nobody's going to work on a full SBA loan package super early, but I could pick any business I want today, any franchise. And without even speaking to that franchise, I could go to a bank today with an SBA loan. I, if I got the FDD and I have had to do my projections, too many people think I've got to wait till that final moment. Like if, I, if, it, if it were me, I don't want to go to a discovery day without my SBA package done in front of a bank. Okay. That's no, that's helpful. That's good to know. Yeah. That, that's me personally. And I will tell you this, and you probably see it a lot on your end. I tell people this all the time, especially in this environment, as more people are transitioning from corporate America, there are more buyers than there are good businesses. 
So if I have a business and there's Greg and there's Eric and they're both looking at the same territory and after discovery day, Greg says, I'm ready to move forward. Let me just go figure out my financing. Let me start working on my SBA package. And Eric says, I'm ready to cut the check today. Sorry, you've lost the territory. It's, yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things that you can get done before you get to that final stage. I, I always say your funding should be, you know, at the, you know, in the red zone. <laughs> with um, you know, as a Jets fan, I don't see the red zone that often. It's <laughs> more of it on the funding side. So, yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things you can get done and have a good idea around rollover funding, portfolio loan, home equity, SBA loan before you've even pulled the trigger. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm sure franchises are a little a little more patient in the current environment, knowing that things are taking a little bit more time than pre-COVID world. Oh, absolutely. They understand. Um, but I guess in my experience, they're understanding when that candidate might be the, the only candidate. Sure. Put yourself in that risk of there's multiple and, you know, who can get into training quicker, who can start marketing quicker. So, you know, really, um, I hate the phrase loading your gun, but, you know, it's knowing what you can do and being able to act accordingly. Uh, but, yeah, franchisors do understand that. Um, the different process that the SBA environment is looking like right now. And then outside of the, the SBA world, uh, we, we touched on a little bit. There's, you know, the, the, the Rob's plan or the rollover for business startups. And I had mentioned uh, earlier that I had a, I did a previous episode uh, that kind of covered that in depth, but at, at a high level, it's self-directing a 401k, which allows an individual kind of access to their, to their qualifying retirement funds, tax-free and penalty-free, right? Yeah, I mean, the best way I've just always heard it explained to me is if I worked in if I worked at Apple and I'm an employee at Apple and I have a 401k there and I have two hundred thousand dollars in my 401k and I decide I'm going to put one hundred thousand dollars through my employer retirement plan and traditional investments and the other hundred thousand, I say, you know what? I like Apple. I'm going to put it into Apple stock through my retirement account. My retirement account owns however many shares of stock it can buy. And that 100000 now went to Apple and went right to their corporate checking account as the proceeds of the sale of company stock. And they can use that for any legitimate business expense. What rollover funding is, is you are now the Apple. You're investing in Eric Inc. Yes. Eric Inc. is doing a franchise. Eric Inc. has a company retirement plan. I'm an employee of Eric Inc. So I can move my existing funds over to my new company's plan. And that company plan that I'm participating in has the same type of investment options, stocks, bonds, mutual funds. And of course, one of the other investment options is buying stock in the company that's sponsoring the plan. By doing so, my plan owns the shares of stock of the corporation. And the corporation has that money. It's not a loan. It's on early withdrawal. There's no debt service. There's no payback schedule, that money is in that corporate checking account, no longer viewed as planned assets, and that can be used for any legitimate business expense. The, the final one I've, I've heard about, I've never had a candidate use it, but I know uh, other consultants who have had candidates go this route is, you know, an, an unsecured line of credit, which is kind of basically a fancy name for a 0% interest credit card, right? 
you know, I'm not going to knock any product specifically. You know, everything has its place in our world and how they can be utilized. But yeah, I mean, for lack of better words, it's it's a line of credit on you personally. To your point, it's very much like a credit card. Some of them actually are credit cards that they give you. So that is an option. I would say sometimes it's the last option. Um, sure. Is, do you guys not deal in those typically? Benetrins does not provide that product. Uh, okay. We've made a company decision. If it, if it comes down to um, a candidate that it's like, hey, we absolutely need access to this. And this is, listen, if you're going to do it, I at least know two or three providers that are reputable, that have worked with clients and will be front and center about how these programs work and you know what you're getting into. But no, it's not something that we do. I, I will tell you one other product just to consider. It's been around forever. And it's something you even need a Benetrends or any other company to do. I just am always amazed by the amount of people that don't know it's an option. If somebody has a stock portfolio outside of a retirement account. So if I just have a financial portfolio that I have stocks in, most people think, well, if I want to gain access to that money, I have to liquidate the stock. I have to sell it. I have the cash, but now I pay capital gains tax on that money because it earned whatever it earned and it's income for the year. Everyone knows what a home equity line of credit is. There's a product called a portfolio line of credit. It literally works the same exact way as a home equity line of credit. But instead of using your home as collateral, you're using the stock portfolio as collateral. And you can literally get a line of credit against your stock portfolio without having to liquidate the stocks. Oh, so interesting. I can keep the portfolio, continue to earn my 8 9 10% return, lend against it at less than 4%, and that's a true line of credit that I'm paying up and paying down as I need, only paying for what I'm utilizing. I had a client the other day. Now, listen, God bless everybody that has more than a million-dollar stock portfolio, <laughs> but this gentleman got an offer at prime minus 0.5 prime is three and a quarter right now he got an eight hundred and fifty thousand dollar line of credit at two and a quarter percent two and three quarter percent and he said eric why would i not do this and go an sba route i said you'd be an idiot not to <laughs> and he bought three locations of an emerging franchise not one business plan had to be written not one collateral not all these things and even though that's been around forever and you can call your financial advisor today and say what could I get in a portfolio loan? And they would do it right then and there. You don't need a Benetrends or anyone else to do it. Still, whenever I mention it, I end up becoming the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> something and, and I assume often that these methods are kind of used in combination with each other, right? Like maybe you do an SBA and you you use that that loan as a you know your your cash injection. Yeah, the most common that I see is the Robs program with the SBA loan. Um, I have seen the portfolio loan with an SBA loan. What's nice about that is I think I mentioned this before at that point, you're almost creating hundred percent finance because you're financing the equity injection and then financing the, the remaining portion of the loan. The overall consistent method that I see and as on the finance end would like to see something that never changes in our world. There's going to be ups, downs, lefts, rights, COVID's, non-COVID's. Cash is king. Yeah. Protect your cash. I always tell, I love when people are like, well, 
I would never use my retirement funds through that rollover program because I would never touch my retirement funds. Instead, I'm going to use $100,000 from my checking account. So listen, up. all due respect, that $100,000 in your checking account is post-tax. Yeah. <laughs> the $100,000 you get from the rollover is pre-tax. So it's still money either way. So yeah, if you can hold on to your, anyone that can find ways of not utilizing their cash um, is usually what we like to see on our end. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing with the robs and, and when you say people are reluctant to touch it, I mean, I get it, but it ultimately comes down to, are you more comfortable investing in yourself with that money or leaving it up to the folks managing, you know, managing your money in the market, right? Yeah, I um, listen, I've been doing this for 10 years and I literally open phone calls up with, listen, if you're anything like me, you've been told since the day you had your job, never touch your retirement funds, you're going to pay 10% early withdrawal penalty. And then here comes me that says you're going to do it. And no matter what, more people that I meet, if they have $50,000 in an IRA, mentally it's worth 500. <laughs> and if I have $50,000 in a checking account, mentally it's worth 30. Yeah. Like they're and I've always said this, listen, if the business is successful, let's face it, nobody cares how they funded their business. Yeah. It's always about what if the business fails? Because somebody will say, well, if I use $100,000 for my retirement account and the business fails, that money's gone. And you know what? In my 10 years of doing this, I have actually come up with a really good answer. You know what the answer is? <laughs> yes, yes you're correct. It's gone. Like I said, in a vacuum, that doesn't sound very good. But let me yeah. just ask you this. If you use $100,000 of your cash and the business fails, the money's gone. Is there some magic carpet ride I can go on? <laughs> if it's gone, it's gone. And I was literally yeah. on the phone with a client once and the accountant said something. I'm never going to make this the tagline of Benetrends, but it was very interesting. And he said to his client, you know what? When looking at the rollover, this is the cheapest way to fail. <laughs> and I said, whoa, 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 let's back up for a second. I don't know if we should approach that. it that way. And I said, I don't know if I love that from a marketing perspective. And he said, Eric, let's just look at that example. I use $100,000 from my checking account. I buy the business. It's gone. I use $100,000 from a previous IRA through the rollover. No tax, no penalty. The business fails. It's gone. The hundred thousand again was from my checking was post tax. The hundred thousand I used for my four hundred one k or IRA, even if I waited to the age of fifty nine and a half, at some point was going to be counted as income, and I was going to pay income tax sure. on that money. So that hundred was probably never worth a hundred to me. He said, "You pretty much subsidize your losses with twenty thirty percent of pre tax money," and I was like. Listen, I love you and thank you for that. I'm not going to make it our tagline. Yeah, it's a, it's a good way to look at it, though, for sure. It, it is an interesting way of looking at it. Let's face it, whether it's friends, family, money you found under a rock, if the business works, nobody cares how they funded it. It's all about if it doesn't work and what is your risk tolerance. So to your point, I've always loved the combination. Yeah. You know, let's not over leverage one area. Let's do a little rollover with some cash. Let's do a roll. I've had clients that have done cash rollover and a portfolio loan to get their SBA loan. Yeah. I mean, we all three. So it, it really, and those are all part of the conversations that you should be looking to have early in the process of looking. For yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you, you've really shown how everyone's situation is unique, right? No, no two, no two of these are going to be 
the same. So it's it's really important to have these conversations with you early on, learn about all all the options, and figure out which is best. You know, it's it's a little bit like a, a flow chart going through this, and I'm sure when when you start working with a new client, you, you know, it's like that. You say, okay, they're unemployed. We move here, you know, spouse works full-time, part-time. We move here, you know, credit score. Okay. We move here. So you just kind of got to flow through the process and, and see what works and see what doesn't work and see what's, what's the best fit for everyone. Absolutely. What if, uh, how often does it come up where you tell someone that, you know, right now you, you can't, buy a franchise or you can't buy a business? It happens. Um, I will tell you this in our, in our environment, sometimes we're damned if we do damned if we don't for lack of better words. And what I've learned is I'd rather get the hand slap early than late telling someone that it's, it's not an option or realistically your options are limited right now. I'll deal with that tough message because I'll tell you what, it's way better than telling someone, no, no, we'll figure this out. And then they find that perfect business and they're ready to do it. And then you tell them that they can't or you can't get them a loan approved. And now they've gone the last six, seven weeks looking at businesses and they've gone to discovery days. I mean, they quit jobs or whatever. Yeah, told their family they're open in this uh, business. And if we yeah. ever do have that conversation, it's never just, sorry, can't do it. It's here's why. And here's what would get you to a point where you could. But um, sure, either we got to work on we got to work on your credit score. We exactly. got you need more cash. Exactly. But it happens. It happens. And we we implore our, our our consultants and franchise experts and franchise brands all throughout the country. Let us have that conversation. Like you know, it's okay. We're we're happy to be there. Uh, you know, a candidate should want to know early on. What can I do and how much can I do it with? Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And the earlier, the better. So you're not wasting anyone's time and no one's, you know, hopes are, hopes are going to get shattered. So yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and it gives them, if they, if they do need to fix something, it gives them, you know, more time to, to start working on that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Eric, this, this has really been informative and, and I'm sure listeners appreciate your approach and kind of, you know, peeling back the layers of the onion to make, to make this process a little, little less intimidating. Um, if a listener would like to learn more about working with Benetrends, I, I assume your, your website's probably the best place to start. Yeah. You can go to www.benetrends.com. Um, and listen, for anyone that's listening, that would like to just uh, ask me a question directly. Um, you, you did a good job pronouncing my name with Schechterman, but with a last name <laughs> like that, fortunately, Benetrends gave me the email, eric at benetrends.com. Perfect. So <laughs> eric with the C, right? Directly, just E-R-I-C at benetrends.com. Um, they even gave me Shecky, which is a, the, the nickname for Schechterman at benetrends.com. <laughs> I like but, it. Now, yeah. our, our, our website will have uh, funding calculators, tools, things to learn about rollover, SBA. And then if anybody had any questions, they could also contact me directly. Um, this is what we do. This is what we love. And we're happy to help people figure out what makes the most sense. Great. And I'll, and I'll be sure to include your, your contact info in the show notes. So Fantastic. yeah, thanks again, Eric. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Franchise Hounds. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, 
or would like to work with me directly to explore franchise ownership opportunities, please reach out through the form on our website at FranchiseHounds.com.